Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Hi everyone, I'm Barbara Hannah Grufferman, Bone Health Ambassador and Trustee of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Welcome to another episode of Bone Talk. At the time of this recording, we're heading into the annual holiday season, and a lot of us will kick it all off with a big Thanksgiving dinner. So it really seemed like a great idea to have a chat about food. Now, it isn't always easy to keep healthy eating on your mind, especially when you're going to dinner parties, restaurants, or even when hosting a holiday get-together in your own home. But it is possible, I promise. Today, we will talk with a nutrition expert about the importance of eating the right foods to stay strong and healthy all year long, but more importantly, the foods we should be eating to build and maintain strong bones throughout our lives, even during the holidays. My guest today is Beth Kitchen, an Assistant Professor and Director of Media and Community Engagement Sciences, Director of Nutrition Minor at the University of Alabama in Birmingham, and also a patient educator at the university's Osteoporosis Prevention and Treatment Clinic. And Beth is also a frequent featured speaker for the National Osteoporosis Foundation at events for healthcare providers and patients. Welcome to Bone Talk, Beth. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, we have a lot to talk about, but before we start and give our listeners an overview of nutrition and bone health, please tell us how you chose this career path and why helping, specifically, why helping people with osteoporosis is so very important to you. Sure. Well, you know, I really got into nutrition when I was in high school and started running cross country and track and I was a distance runner and nutrition was really important. And I really started kind of studying up on it and found that, you know, carbohydrate loading helped me to run faster. And so it got me really interested in the science of nutrition. And so that's what I studied then in college and in graduate school. Um, Then as I started my career or continued my career at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, I started working with Dr. Sarah Morgan in the nutrition sciences department. And she said, Oh, by the way, as part of your job, you're going to be coming with me over to osteoporosis clinic every Wednesday and teaching patients. And I thought, okay, that sounds fun. And it ended up uh, just kind of turning into a passion of mine. And uh, I really enjoy it. And one of the things I love about it is as a nutritionist, I don't have to focus on weight loss, <laughs> which I love because yeah, yeah. what weight loss is so challenging and tough for people. So it's kind of fun to be in an area of health where 
the focus is not on losing weight. The focus is on sort of positive things, adding things into your eating pattern. Uh, so that's kind of fun for me as well. And the but focus also, for you is really staying strong. I mean, you yeah, know, it's not yeah. about losing weight, but that's staying strong. I have to tell you, I'm really intrigued. I want to go back to something you said when you first started talking about running. I'm a runner. I started running when I turned 50 because I was very quick story. I was walking my dog and I was postmenopausal, fell, not very hard, and broke my Ooh. arm. Long story short, it turned out that I have had been and still have low bone density. So I started doing all these great things for myself. One of them was exercising more, which for me included running. And I just ran my, uh, my sixth New York City marathon recently. And oh. so I'm wondering, are you still a runner? Yeah, I do. But you know, it's so funny because you started running after 50. As I've gotten older, I've actually done less running because I was so big into running when I was younger. And I've kind of expanded my horizon a little bit. I do a little bit more yoga, Tai Chi. I do a lot of weightlifting and I do other aerobic activities. I also like to swim when I can get in the pool here on campus, but, but I still do some running. I'm not a competitive runner anymore. I've kind of left behind the marathoning and the races uh, too early, in, too early in the morning people. for me. So I, I yeah, know that was so yeah. much a part of my life early in my life. I got a little tired of that, but it sounds like you've gotten enthusiastic about that, you know, in oh, your very. older years. It's kind of funny, isn't Beth, it? I can't even I can't even tell you how many races I ran last year. It's a very important to me. However, you raised a few of the exercises that are critical to bone health just now in your current lineup of exercise, yoga and Tai Chi for, for balance. And so right. you're really, it sounds like you're kind of really full speed ahead into uh, preventing osteoporosis, which is really good. Now, the next question I want to ask you is we all know, I mean, this we know, that good nutrition is important for overall health and well-being. We know that. But what's specifically should we consider eating to support our healthy bones? And I really want to know this because sure. you mentioned I, I run, I, I do run marathons and other smaller races, and I want to make sure I'm always eating the foods that will not only fuel my body so I could be a little faster maybe, but also to keep my bones really strong to allow me to run for the long term. Yeah, and that's a really important question. And this is going to sound like a bit of an odd lead into my answer, but one of the things I always actually stress with people is that nutrition alone, particularly in our age group, as we get up over our 50s, nutrition alone is often not enough to keep our bones strong because, as you know, as we get older, our bones go into a natural phase of bone loss. When we're younger, that running, the calcium, the vitamin D can actually build bones. When we're in our 50s, it can help slow down the loss, but it's actually rarely enough to maintain bone density or to make them stronger. So I always really stress to people, if you have osteoporosis, you know, talk to your doctor because medicines may be a really important part of that plan. But nutrition is important. And, you know, I always talk about muscle and bone going together. And that's really important for mm -hmm. someone like you who loves to run, right? And so not only do we want to keep our bones strong, but we want to keep our muscles strong. So something like running that strengthens those leg muscles is going to improve your balance and not falling is going to help you to keep you from breaking a bone. 
our focus is often on calcium and vitamin D, but also things like protein can help. A plant-based diet can give you maybe a little bit of a small edge, not a huge edge, but a small edge. And, you know, one of the things, and you've heard me talk about this, is that a lot of times people don't have just one issue. It's not just osteoporosis. Maybe they have diabetes. Maybe they have heart disease, high blood pressure. So I like to talk about the total diet of how can I get enough calcium, that critical mineral for the bones, but then also how can I be overall healthy? Because we all want to live long and feel good and keep running and doing all these great things. And that means taking care of our hearts as well as our Mm -hmm. bones. You know what I love to say, one of, one of my favorite things to say, in fact, is that because people can start to get overwhelmed if we feel, oh, are you saying I have to just have this one eating and exercise program just for my bones? And I do like to remind people that, listen, what's good for your heart, what's good for your brain, what's good for your like, weight management is good for your bones, too. So with that, and I agree, holistic yeah. package, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but so and- you mentioned calcium, Steph, you mentioned calcium, vitamin D, a couple of foods you want to just kind of point out that are really helpful to people for their overall health sure. and well-being, but also their bones? Yeah, sure. And one of the things that I tell people to include, if they like it, and I always come back to this, it's all about what you like. Dairy foods can be very healthy for your heart and for your bones. They've got the calcium, they've got phosphorus for the bones, they've got potassium, particularly milk and yogurt are high in potassium, which helps to control blood pressure. So the dairy foods, again, and I stress, if you like them. Now, some of my patients are vegan vegetarians or they just don't like dairy foods. And we can get your calcium in other ways. But if you like dairy, it's a great source of some really critical nutrients. And so a lot of people like to eat yogurt because it's also got those healthy bacteria for your gut. And there are actually I eat it every studies. day. Every yeah, day me too. Me too. And I've, I've been putting it in a smoothie because I've been trying to add in the blueberries, you know, because of the mind diet, you mentioned the brain. Mm-hmm. So in the yep. mornings, I feel really good because I make, you know, I add juice and yogurt and blueberries. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, this tastes, first of all, it tastes great. That's always the first thing. But it's also good for my bones. Maybe it's helping my brain. It's loaded with potassium and all these great nutrients. And again, it tastes great. So yeah, it's really important that I always tell people, you know, you've got to like what you're eating. Sometimes my patients will say to me, oh, I don't like milk, but if you tell me to drink it, I will. And I say, no, I'm not going to force feed you milk if you don't like it. And so one of my big messages is if, if you like almond milk, soy milk, calcium mm-hmm. added orange mm-hmm. juice. And if you don't want to do those, you know what? You can get your calcium through supplements as well. So it's really important that people find a way that works for them. As you said, it can get really tiresome with all the nutrition information out there. I just talked to a sarcoidosis group the other day, and, and some of the patients in that support group were like, it's exhausting trying to do everything it's that exhausting. everybody tells you it to is. do. I'm exhausted. And so I said, let's, and, and my talk was really on, let's pare this down to some easy things that we can all do that are evidence-based and are going to support kind of all of your healthy goals here. Because, yeah, if you do everything that you see on TV, read on the Internet, it's exhausting. Right? Oh, it's and exhausting. So, 
you know, that's why we talk about. Yep. But not only that, I found, and this is true of me, that as you get older, your body changes in oh so many ways, as we know. And Uh that's also true, again, I'm talking personally, of foods that you used to like. And that uh-huh. you don't like so much anymore because maybe they don't make you feel so well. For example, I don't really drink milk anymore because now I find, and now studies show, which I didn't know, you know a few years ago, that our bodies, as we get older, can't uh, digest milk as well and effectively and comfortably, <laughs> really, that's right. the operative word, as it used to be able to. So, therefore... I don't drink milk anymore. I do drink, you mentioned almond milk with the, with the calcium and I have my yogurt and I, I absolutely get my calcium in many other ways. But that's something else too that people need to recognize is that something they loved maybe a few years ago, 10 years ago, they no longer love them. But what about foods that we should avoid? You know, it's so funny that you ask that because I've been working in the osteoporosis clinic for over 20 years. And when we first started that clinic, we would tell people, you know, be careful not to drink too much caffeine. And we always talked about your little caffeine's fine, but don't overdo it. And then after better evidence started coming out, my doctor said, you know, we don't really need to tell people that because this better new evidence shows that it's really not a big deal. So you'll, you'll hear people say caffeine is bad. That evidence has not really sustained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we don't, and that's a good message for people. You hear people say carbonated drinks are bad for your bones. Nope. That has not really turned out to be true. And so the good news with osteoporosis is that there are very few bad foods that are overtly bad for your bones. One thing that I can tell people is to be a little bit careful with sodium and this is a good message for your blood pressure as well and that Mm -hmm. excessive sodium can cause you to lose more calcium through your urine so you kind of pee out some extra calcium so you want to be careful Uh, with high salt and so that would be one of the main things that I would tell people now don't go crazy you don't have to eliminate salt but when we look at the foods that you know you sometimes hear about oh avoid this avoid that there is really no single food that as we've looked at the better evidence that again is really overtly bad now some interesting things with some foods is that they may not be as good of a calcium source as you think spinach is one that i talk about a lot spinach is good for you and it has a lot of great nutrients but you absorb almost none of that calcium because the oxalates in the spinach block almost all of the absorption and so some foods that we think are great for our bones eh, may not be the best. Now, I always tell my patients, still eat the spinach. It's got a lot of great nutrients in it, like vitamin K and potassium and vitamin C, but don't think of it as a high calcium food. And, you know, you were mm-hmm. talking about milk, and a lot of people, as they get older, they do become lactose intolerant. And so that milk can kind of cause your stomach to rumble a little bit, maybe cause some diarrhea. But a lot of people can drink the lactate milk that has treated that with the lactase enzyme that helps you to digest it. So if you really love milk, there are still ways of drinking it if you really want to. But as you said, the almond milk, the soy milk, the calcium added orange juice, those can be really good ways of getting that extra calcium. And I always tell people, make sure you shake those up really well 
because that calcium can settle out to the bottom. So when you drink your almond milk, shake that up like you're shaking up a paper can. That's really good to know. I actually did not realize that. Thank you for that tip. (laughs) Yeah, so give that a good shake. And otherwise, it's a really great source of calcium. So again, it just speaks to the idea that to get our calcium, many ways of doing it. And and your foods, my my first rule is I want you to enjoy the way you're eating. And then we have to look at all the other stuff you've got going on and how can we make it work for you. Right. And as we mentioned before, at least I did in the opening, we are, as as we're talking and recording this, we are entering the one month long, if you will, holiday right. season that kicks off the, <laughs> the food frenzy. Right? Yeah. The food frenzy. People kind of throw the whole concept of healthy eating out the window for the most part. But I know we all are guilty of that, I'm sure. But hey, whatever. What about alcohol, which is a kind of often a part of that overeating, overindulging experience during the holidays. Yeah. Now, you know, consistently I see lists, and certainly it's on the National Osteoporosis Foundation website, information area about don't drink, you know, one of the risk factors is drinking too much alcohol. So nobody wants to do that. Certainly not for overall health and wellness. We all know that, that it's not a good idea. But a little red wine, a little, you know, white wine, not a bad thing to do. But what's the current evidence? What's the current thinking about alcohol as it relates to a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, and, you know, moderation. In in one word, we can pretty much sum it up that with alcohol, moderation to none is the key. And Mm -hmm. uh, the recommendation by the NOF is one that we all uh, consistently stand by, and that is if you are a moderate drinker, and for women, that means one alcoholic beverage a day or fewer on average, and size does matter, then that's fine. But what we find with osteoporosis is that excessive alcohol, when, when people are really overdoing it over that recommendation, then we see lower bone densities. Now, the interesting thing is, is that if you're a moderate drinker, some of the evidence shows that that little bit of alcohol, and again, we're talking moderate here, that people mm-hmm. have actually a little bit of a higher bone density than people who do not drink at all. So moderation Isn't that might, yeah, and I really stress the might here. So a little bit of alcohol might actually be beneficial for your bones. It's not enough to go around telling people who don't drink to start drinking, you know, because exactly. Just yeah, like there's your no health. We do know that a little right. wine has seems, seems, or might help with your heart health, but that doesn't mean you should start to drink. Right. And it's actually all alcohol has that relationship. It's not just the red wine. And so, but it's important to stress that moderation, you know, for women, one a day or fewer on average men, two a day or fewer is moderate. It doesn't mean we can save them all up till the big Christmas party Saturday night and drink all seven, right? Because mm-hmm. that would be very bad for fall prevention and balance. So moderation mm-hmm. is really the key with alcohol. So yeah, and I also, you know, you were talking about as we get older, changing. I know that for me, even sometimes that second glass of wine, I don't sleep as well. I don't feel as mm-hmm. great the next day. So I have found that as I have gotten older, you know, my tolerance for alcohol, I still drink alcohol, but I really keep it to that one a day or fewer. And what I do at parties is I'll often, you know, maybe drink a glass of wine, but then I'll switch to like a diet soda 
if there's a diet soda that's caffeine free, I find that as long as I'm sipping on that, I really don't miss that second or third glass of wine. And I feel great the next day and feel like going out and exercising. And that just makes me happy. So I still indulge in alcohol, but I really keep it moderate because I know I'm just going to feel better and it's going to be better for my health. I know everybody likes to know what nutritionists actually eat themselves <laughs> of what they drink. So this is really good. So you're not an abstainer, which is good to know. No. I also love to have a glass of wine with dinner, but I'm very good about not overindulging. But like I said, I do run, I train. Right. So it's all, it's all part of the package. And I'm very careful about those things. But, and I too, like what you said at parties, instead, after I have a glass of wine, then I'll skip over to, you know, like a Perrier or something like that. Right. I try to avoid sodas of any kind. I'm not a big believer in them, but that's a whole nother (laughs) discussion. But we all also want to know what you like to eat and what your food weaknesses are. I mean, we all have a food weakness. And as you said before, moderation really is key or else people can feel like deprived and that's never a good thing, right? right? If you're feeling deprived, I love dark chocolate. Turns out it happens to be very healthy. My, I think my real food weakness though is French fries. If there's yeah. a bowl of French fries and it's like for all of us, I'll end up just keep digging into that bowl of French fries. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the things that sometimes people ask me is like, what are your cheat foods? And I don't like that word cheat food because you're not cheating. You know, it it makes it sound like you're doing something bad. And I, and I don't Mm -hmm. like using, you know, bad foods to talk about food because all food to me is good. There's just some that we need to be a little careful not to overdo. And I'm like you, I love a good French fry. (laughs) But one of the things that I do, and and this really bowls people over, one of the things that I do every morning, I make my coffee and I, in the cup, I put a pack of hot chocolate in it and then I put my coffee in it and I make a mocha and I do that every morning. Yeah. Now, I'm warning you, don't do that unless you really want to get hooked because it's so delicious and I really, it's like my morning treat and I just love it. It gets me going. I get my little caffeine going and it makes me feel really good. The, the hot chocolate I use, it used to be fortified with calcium. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm getting some calcium, but now they stopped doing that. So I don't even get extra calcium from it, but I love it and it makes <laughs> me happy. Yeah, oh, it's, 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 it makes me so happy. deserve and, it, Beth. Yeah, you so deserve and, it. <laughs> so I'm really big on not depriving yourself, and I get some sugar every day. I'm certainly not, you know, overdoing it. But my favorite flavor. I like sweets, but I can stop eating sweets pretty easily. I'm like you. I love some. I have some dark chocolate every day. I love the way it tastes. But my yep. flavor is savory. I love savory. I love cheese, and I love just that real savory flavor. You know, I'm in the South, so pimento cheese is one of my favorites. I eat cheese every day. I love bacon, and I love the cured meats. I'm really careful not to overdo those, but, boy, Mm -hmm. I do love them. So my my favorite flavor is savory. So at Christmas time, you're going to see me going for, like, the sausage balls as opposed to, like, the pie. (laughs) I, I will eat some sweets. Don't get me wrong, but a few bites of sweets, and I'm like, I'm done now, you know, because it kind of overwhelms me. But the savory flavor, oh, that's what I love. 
That's so really great. That is so, so, so great. And um, I, too, don't have a sweet tooth. That is not my thing. That's not yeah. my weakness. It's not my downfall. It is the French fries, as I mentioned. Yeah, and I me do too. have that little piece of heart-healthy dark chocolate, which kind of just appeases me for that little sugar yeah. need for a little bit of sugar. But I agree with you. I had, was just thinking as you were talking. I don't eat bacon, actually, but I the cheese and oh, I get yeah. that. You did mention pie. Now, that may be another one of my weaknesses. <laughs> I do love a good slice of fruit pie, peach pie. or <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, good I- to know that you, I'm so happy to hear, and I'm sure everyone listening is going to go, see, she's human. Yep. <laughs> yep. I have something sweet every day. I mean, uh, right now I'm in my office and I have little mini peppermint patties and like after lunch, I like something sweet. It kind of tops off my meal. It kind of signals me that my meal is over. And mm-hmm. so I like a little piece of chocolate or a little piece of candy after a meal in the summertime when the great summer fruits are out. Sometimes the fruit really actually serves that need. But yes. I always like a little sweet. And I'm, I'm, so I'm really big on don't have an all or nothing attitude because if you deprive yourself of that sweet, then when you do have it, you tend to kind of binge on it. So it's really bad to have, you know, little bites of things every day instead of depriving yourself because then it just, it's hard to keep control then in in, in those situations. No question. And I'm sure you'll agree with this statement that all of those diets, those special diets that are so limiting, name a few, you know, paleo and and the Atkins diet and uh, that are so limiting that may work, and again, this is really for right. weight loss usually, it will work to help you lose the weight, but you can't live like that. They're not sustainable, which is, well, I'm sure you would agree, which is why so many people go on them, and then the yo-yo thing happens. Right. They, the weight, exactly. they gain the weight, then they go back on, they gain it again. It's, it's exactly. And it's, moderation. It's, it's really, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really hard on you psychologically. Now, some people can stay on those long terms. It's one of the things I dread about January 1st is the, the Whole30 diet, and all of the, yes. you know, my friends on Facebook are doing Whole30, and I just go, oh, Oh gosh, and you know, some people feel like it helps them and they say, oh, well, I'm only doing it for 30 days to get back on track. And there's mm-hmm. even a really neat uh, program that people do in January where they, you know, give up alcohol for 30 days. Yes. And, that, yes. and, you know, that can yes. be really helpful to people. But you're right, for some of these diets like paleo and keto and any diet where they completely cut out whole categories of foods, you have to really ask yourself, is this sustainable? Um, And, you know, you said something really interesting. You said for some people they work, and then you said, well, work for the weight loss. And, you know, I always ask people, what does the word work mean to you? For me, does it keep the weight off long-term? Can I live with this forever? Or can I at least use it as a way of getting to a sustainable place, easing those foods back in. If it's a short-term thing, and then you can ease back in those other foods and keep that weight off. But sadly, what I see so many times, and this is just anecdotal with even my friends on Facebook or other social media where they lose all this weight and they're really gung-ho and really extreme. And then the next year, they've gained a lot of it back. And mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's, it's a very mm-hmm. big psychological burden for people. And then it gets depressing when you've lost weight, regained it, lost weight, regained it. That's hard on you emotionally for a lot of people. 
Absolutely. The studies I've seen show it's not good physically either. It's not good for your health to gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, I, I would think. And it may even be yeah. harder to lose weight. You, moving on, though, to something that I'm really excited about, as you are, we're very happy to announce that the National Osteoporosis Foundation has come out with a cookbook that people can now buy online at nof.org. And Beth, I understand that you were one of the advisors on this project. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. And also tell us like what one or two of your favorite recipes. Oh, wow. Great. I have the book right here, actually. And it is beautiful, by the way. So if you buy it, I think you're really going to love it. Of course, the recipes that I love the best are any of the ones with cheese, because <laughs> I, I am a big <laughs> <savory>. cheese fan. <laughs> but I love a lot of the ones that are in here, like the white bean and kale soup is delicious. And kale is a great one. When I do have patients, you know, we talked about spinach, that you don't really absorb much of that calcium. It's still a great food to eat. But I tell my patients that if you want to switch to kale, if you like kale, kale does not have those oxalates in it. And so you'll actually get the calcium from that. So that's a great option. I yeah, it. I do too. I, I think it's mm-hmm. I I think it's wonderful. So I think people will love this cookbook. It's so when I opened it up and I got it in the mail that my copy yesterday, it is beautiful. It's so pretty and lots of colorful pictures and lots of great tips. Not only are there recipes, but they give you a lot of good information about bone health. And so I think people will really enjoy it. I hope they will. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna dig into this and make some of these uh other recipes, but I was very grateful for the chefs on the project because um, I'm not that great with coming up with recipes. I was amazed at the variety of foods that they came up with. It's really incredible. Absolutely. And like, a, you know, a regular cookbook, it is divided into salads and main courses and desserts and appetizers. And, and as you pointed out also in the beginning, it does talk about osteoporosis how to prevent osteoporosis, foods that are good, like things that we've been talking about today, before it even gets into the actual recipe. So it's a wonderful deep dive into how to keep your bones strong throughout our lifespan. So I'm, I'm right. really, as, as a board member of the NOF and Bone Health Ambassador, I'm so proud of this book. And it, you can either buy it so you get a copy, a hard copy, or you can actually get it online as well. So we're really excited about that. And we have to thank you on behalf of everyone at NOF, Beth, for your involvement in this really terrific and exciting project. But now, Beth, please tell us, what are the two or three things you would like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? So two things that I can speak of that come to my mind, and that's with the holidays coming up, even though people may be listening to this outside of the holiday season, this is a good tip for always choose the best and leave the rest. And that's what I tell people as they go into the holidays, because you want to enjoy these festive moments, whether it's the holidays or birthdays or whatever festivities are coming up. Food is an important part of our lives and we need to enjoy it. But I always tell people, Again, choose the best, the things that you really make the holiday special for you. That other stuff like those store-bought cookies that aren't all that great, don't waste your calories on those. So Mm -hmm. so go for the biggies that you love. And then the other thing that I tell people, really stay active. So it is about food, 
but it's also about going out for that walk, staying in the game, because it's really easy if you get out of your exercise habits, it's really easy to just stay out of them. So even if you only have time for maybe a 10-minute walk, go for it, do it. And it's going to help you to feel body positive, positive about yourself. And then even if you do, you know, lapse a little bit over the holidays, it's not that hard to get back into your healthy routine. So plan in some healthy activities like going caroling, uh, going, walking around the neighborhood, looking at all the great decorations. And this is true all year round. Even if you only have 10 minutes, get out there and be active because again, that's good for muscles, bones, mental health, and it goes right along with our healthy eating. And I want to add one more to that, which you've been saying kind of like your theme too, is everything in moderation so that yes. your healthy eating, and that's how you should view it. Don't view it as a diet. View it as your healthy eating uh, program or just healthy eating that it's sustainable, exactly. that you can tend with it. Yeah, right? and I always tell people, I, I really like the concept, and you've heard this before, where it's uh, sort of like 80-20. If 80% of what you're eating is pretty healthy and 20% sort of the more fun, less healthy foods, that's okay, that's fine. And so I always tell people, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And so, you know, that one piece of cake you had doesn't ruin all the good work you've done. So don't get bogged down in that minutia. You know, look at the overall healthy stuff that you're doing and enjoy, enjoy. And enjoy. Oh, I mean, and food, food should be enjoyed. Beth, exactly. thank you so much for sharing your knowledge about nutrition and bone health. And thank you also for working with us on that incredible cookbook. I am so grateful. NOF is so grateful. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's gone by really fast and I love the NOF and all the great work they do. I love being a part of that organization in any way that I can. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bone Talk as much as I enjoyed talking with our wonderful guest, Beth Kitchen. I also hope it whetted your appetite for some great recipes to keep your bones strong for life, many of which can be found in our new NOF Bone Health Cookbook. Buy a copy today at NOF's online store by going to www.nof.org. And we heard Beth's insights into how we can choose the right foods to support strong bones. But we always want to hear from you. Please visit www.nof.org and go to share your story. And tell us, what are you doing to stay bone strong? Because the more we stay connected, the stronger we will be. For more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit nof.org regularly for up-to-the-minute information. Did you enjoy this episode? Possibly learn something new and helpful? If so, please do these simple things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your friends and family and maybe consider, please, making a small donation to NOF so we can keep these programs and research going. Until next time, remember this. We can't control getting older, but we can control how we do it. Bye for now. 
Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.